Welcome to the Life of Mike Balfour Podcast. I'm Eddie Wasserman. Thank you guys for joining us for our very special House vs. Hill podcast. It was an incredible day yesterday at Camp Baco because we had the first ever House vs. Hill basketball game, which in plain terms means Bunk 22 played the K-House in a game that was attended by the whole camp, six-period special. It started on the big court. Rain eventually pushed it up to the Superdome midway through, but it was an incredible day, especially for these kids. And after the K-House just absolutely drugged Bunk 22 in a completely unexpected blowout, I figured we had to bring on some of the stars from that game. So we're going to have three of them on right now, and they are joining us here. Jake Burke, Tyler Burke, and Noodle are all here all of you guys played in the House versus the Hill game yesterday. So first of all, let's start off with this. What was it like? You guys have all played in 12s basketball, but it's been a couple years, and obviously we don't have 14s this summer. So what was it like kind of just getting in that action, playing the game in front of the whole camp, and kind of just like hitting the shots, feeling the energy? Like, What was that kind of vibe like for you guys? Uh, well, it felt great uh, seeing everyone on the Hill, and we had that feeling during 12s. And we would have that feeling during 14s, but there is no 14s this year. But it was really cool uh, having everyone on the hill. Yeah, it was definitely really awesome to just like see the whole camp cheering on and feeling the energy, especially when we went up to the Superdome because of the rain. Like when you'd hit a shot, just seeing everyone going crazy in the atmosphere is just really something that's really special about camp. Because, like, I feel like as someone that's obviously not that athletic and has never played in 14s or something like that, I can't speak to what it's like. Tyler, for you, you had four threes in the second half. What's that kind of feeling like when you hit the shot and then you just hear, like, this rush of cheering? Well, when I hit the first shot, um, it just felt great because I haven't had that feeling since, well, two years ago. And it just felt great that like everyone was re- uh, cheering for me and yeah everyone everyone on our team also like everyone in the chaos we had everyone on the sidelines and and when Tyler hit his third three I see I remember seeing Noodle coming down the sidelines and he was going crazy and like every shot we hit it was just everyone was like so happy and it was it was sick yeah also the thing is with the Superdome it's like an enclosed space so it sounds louder because like it's echoey so it does get louder. So to just set up some context here, the game basically, because we don't have 14s this year and because the kids that are 15 now didn't have 14s last summer, uh, basically what the camp tried to do, Danny, Rick, Craig, you know, everyone at camp tried to sort of create a special kind of environment. So it was the K-House versus Bunk 22. And it's kind of a weird thing because... You know, usually it's Baco versus Brett, like Baco versus Echo, like Baco versus like us versus another camp. But in this case, it was your bunk. So your bunk sort of had a moment where everyone kind of be united together against another bunk, and the camp was split on who they were rooting for. The first half of the game was played in the big court before it started raining, and it pushed up to the Superdome. So it kind of created for two separate environments. And we've talked about this on past podcasts, how the big court versus the Superdome is two different places. But I would say the game kind of flipped. I mean, you guys go out to the lead in the first half, but the game really flipped once you guys got up to the Superdome. And sort of, I mean, you didn't hit any threes in the first half on the courts. And then, Tyler, you got up to the Superdome and you hit four threes in the second half. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely a different environment shooting on the big court and the Superdome. It was a little windy and it was was raining at some points. Um, But I went up to the Superdome and after I got that first three out of the way, I just let them fly. 
Yeah, and uh, I also just feel like once our shooters and everyone started getting comfortable back up in the Superdome, we all just started playing better team basketball all around, just getting rebounds, pushing the pace, getting open shots, beating their defense, and just getting better overall shots than they got. And that's what led to our success. Um, I'm, I'm more of a big court guy, but they were in a zone for a lot of the game. And especially when we got to the Superdome, um, with, we had Tyler and Glatzer. They were just banging threes because we just kept picking apart their zone and moving the ball really well. And Noodle, I'm kind of interested to ask you about this. To get more into the game itself, coming into the game, I think the general consensus around campus that it was going to be a close game. The final score ends up 54-30 in favor of you guys. The chaos runs away with it against the older kids. But I think what a lot of the reasoning was behind 22 is that they're obviously a year older than 14 and 15 is a big age gap. And just that one year, like in terms of your physicality and stuff like that, and I think a lot of it was that Zay was obviously going to be able to be the best player on the court and dominate the game. And physically, they were going to have Salty and Tucker. But Noodle, you being above six feet tall, you were kind of able to control the inside, running pick and rolls on offense, which is something that's a new part of your game that you were doing as effective as we've seen all summer. What was kind of your ability to be, yeah, you're a year younger, but you were kind of able to physically dominate, even with guys like Salty, who are hanging around, who are obviously, you know, they're physically much more developed than you guys. Yeah, so basically I was just trying to be as tough as I possibly could with them. They're strong and they're tough and they're physical, but, you know, you just have to get good angles on the rebounds and box out as hard as you can, find your man, box out, and just grab the ball and be strong with it. And as the game went on, I definitely got better and more physical and more into it and started being more aggressive and, like, started asserting myself way more, but... And then in the pick and rolls, I just, whenever I thought we had a good matchup, I would come set a screen. And if it didn't get me an open lamp, it got my teammate an open shot or just kept the offense moving. So that was just something we really tried to get going. And it definitely helped lead to our success. I think that an underrated part of the game and our victory was uh, Grant and Noodle just on the board. They probably each had 10, 15 At rebounds. At least, yeah. And um, we all knew that Noodle would rack up rebounds, but Grant got every single board that came his way, and if he didn't, he would block up the putback, so he played really, really, really well. And I think another thing that was, at least for me, stood out was the fact that coming to the game, right, you guys obviously have a big age group, right, 25 plus kids, and Bunk 22 only has eight kids, so their depth was always going to be tested, and I gotta say, coming to the game, I didn't think, because, you know, we can talk about Bunk 22, they have four kids that are really solid playing right you have Freeman Salty Tucker Zay the fifth spot on that team was always going to be the question but I think the general consensus coming into the game was that they were going to be able to overcome that fifth man because Zay can play isolation Salty was going to be physical whatever but I think that that fifth spot was exposed a lot more than anyone expected and I think looking at it, the reason why that was was the ball movement by you guys so take me through that because you guys coming to the game, you were sort of able to attack that fifth man who was kind of a rotating cast. Sometimes it was Jay, sometimes Kimmel. Like, you guys were able to sort of attack that fifth spot by moving the ball and just generating open shots time and time again until you were able to knock them down. Yeah, so coming into the game, we had like one quick practice before the game started, and we knew coming into it that they were going to have a, one player on their team who wasn't like a... Like that competent yeah, of a basketball, competent player, of a basketball yeah. player. And we knew we our coaches set up this one play that we could run 
that helped basically just get an isolation for that matchup, and that led to a lot of success, especially in the first half of the game. And also, we just tried to really attack that guy as much as we possibly could because we felt we had the advantage on that person every single time down the floor. So we just kept trying to exploit that. And also, especially on defense sometimes, if if it was Jace or Campbell, if they're not the strongest of shooters, it also helped because our defense, we didn't have to really focus and go out that far on them. And we could focus on Zay and Tucker and especially getting rebounds. So that was, and, and you guys put in the box and won. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Was, that, was that something that your coach initiated? So, was it? so the box was, uh, like, we figured it out in practice. We put Lev on Zay. Lev is a sick defender. Great defender. And I was talking to Lev after game, and he was saying, like, he wasn't even, like, involved in some of, the, like, the like rebounds. He was just on Zay. Like, he didn't even know what was happening. It was just him, him on he Zay. He was just and, face guarding him, yeah. just fully looking at him. And also, um... When we were on offense, they started the game in a zone, and we beat that pretty easily because of our shooters and our ball movement, and they got impatient and went to man, and it was the same thing. We'd get by that one guy, then you have a two-on-one with a shooter in a corner, and that guy has to help, and then you kick it out. So, Also, a big factor for me in the Superdome, when Jordan would get the ball in the middle everyone would just collapse on him, which would give me a wide-open three where I could set myself and I could yeah. shoot the ball. I, I don't know if you guys are even going to know what I'm saying by this, but I feel like one team, one between two, is kind of playing more like a leagues game based on the roster, and you guys are playing more of a like Tobacco tournament-style game. And, that, and that's sort of by definition of their rosters, in that they had a top-heavy team where they were dealing with a person where they could, you guys could do a box and one because there were going to be open shooters that wouldn't hurt you. There were players on the floor at any given moment that weren't going to be able to make you pay. Whereas for you guys, you had five players in the court, whether it was you three, Grant, Lev, Lasser when he got into the game, everyone on the floor can make you pay. So it really didn't afford them the opportunity to play a kind of style of defense that you guys were able to play. And I think that's something that a lot of people coming into this game sort of overlooked because you guys were able to execute and you said the chemistry, like you had one practice. It looked like, I mean, you guys have had periods all summer, senior electives, like it, it looks on the floor, the product, like you've had a lot more than one practice because you guys are always playing together and just because of the fact that they were sort of like on their heels the whole time. You were passing back and forth into the high post, whatever it was, you guys sort of had them on their heels the whole time where I just feel like you were sort of dictating it on both ends of the floor. And that was something that was cool to see because it really felt like Baco basketball versus just like your average leagues game or whatever it is. Yeah. For leagues, usually there's like two or yeah, two like really good players, yeah. and that's what they had. They had Tucker and Zay, and then uh, Freeman and Salty were also good, but like not at that level. But um, that w that's why we were able to do a box and one because Zay was probably by far the best player on the court, and we would put Lev on him, and then we would just watch out for Tucker's threes. I think the ability of Lev to kind of guard Zay in that context. And he didn't really get, I mean, a few times Zay beat him, but for the most part, Lev was really able to stay in front of Zay. And even when he was at the box and one was staying home to help. But I do think it's interesting to watch Zay because this is something that for you, those of you at home might not know. Basically, Bunk 22, they're 15 years old this year. They've kind of been looped. They have this really unique situation I've never heard of before where they're in two basketball leagues. They're in both senior basketball leagues and chaos basketball leagues. They overlap into both. So Zay is obviously dominant in both leagues. 
but in one league, he's with your brother, Noodle, and then in the other league, he's the best player in the league. So he kind of is able to get both, like see both types of environments where he's the secondary guy on his team in one league, and he's the best player on the court in every game he plays in the other league. And I think that's an interesting factor for him in terms of he kind of has to adapt to different situations. And in this context, playing with the other kids in his bunk, I mean, there wasn't really that much room to go to. Tucker knocked down a couple shots, but there just wasn't that much room. And I think that was something I noticed really early in the game that was like, I think I might have overestimated. And not not through the fault of Zay by himself, but like, there's not just going to be glatchers floating around camp every year that can be the only player on their team and just light up everyone. Like at some point, the box and one is a restrictive defense that essentially eliminates that one player. And you guys did that very effectively, I think. Yeah, to add on to what Maddie was saying, we were not going to let Xavier beat us. We were on a box and one, and especially me and Grant, who were on the bottom of the box, we were... Every single time Xavier got into the paint, we stepped up and we contested his shot over anything else, over any pass or guarding anyone else. We were not going to let him beat him. I mean, let him beat us. And that just really helped us shut him down. And he got a lot of, he got some points, he got some buckets, but it wasn't enough to beat our whole five guys. And I mean, and listen, you guys put up 54 points in the game. And so that is, I mean, 30 is a fine output, but. 54, you guys were banging home threes, but I don't think it was like a fluke. Like, I don't think you're four threes in the second half. I mean, yeah, you have what? You go four for six from the second half from Deep Tyler? Yeah. Right, you go four for six, but I don't see that as that much of a fluke because you guys were getting open shots the entire yeah, game. You weren't like, shots. you weren't, I mean, banging, you know, step back threes with a hand in your face over and over again. You were getting open looks, and that was because of your teammates, because of the ball movement. And I don't think that was like a random occurrence. I think that was something that happened over time. But to zoom it out a little bit more, you guys aren't going to be able to get 14s this year, which obviously sucks. You guys got this here today. You're having leagues which have been pretty well attended, chaos leagues, yeah. been well attended this year, and you're going to get that down the stretch. But 14s is obviously a big signifier in your Baco basketball career. So in terms of thinking about your Baco basketball career from here, you obviously have 16s to look ahead to over the next couple of years, but what did it kind of mean to you guys to get this kind of chance to play in front of the whole camp and throughout the rest of the summer getting the chance to play in leagues with everyone watching and stuff like that? I feel like the adrenaline that you have when the whole camp is watching just like takes over and that's something that we missed out, not having 14s, but this in a way replaced that and it was, it was, it was sick. I feel like there's a different feeling playing Brant Lake yeah. and then playing the 15-year-olds. It is different, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, you well for when you're playing Brant, you you're playing your rival rival camp like you've been like beefing with them yeah. for like so many years. And then when we play the 15-year-olds like they're a year older than us. And then they're just your friends after. Yeah. Like they were chirping us yeah. Chirping at us before the game and during the game, and there's like, obviously yeah. there's obviously beef during the game, but after the game it's yeah, like yeah we're all friends yeah we're but all compared to Brant like there's we're beef not. during the game and then there's beef the next time we play so like, yeah and also I feel like it it was great to have this opportunity to play in front of the camp and it felt like when we ran out of the bunk and the introductions and all that it it felt some similar to the tournament and. This uh, it definitely wasn't the same passion that you have when you play like against Brant Lake in the finals, but there was definitely some similar energy that at least I felt 
from going back to the 12s finals last or two summers ago. And um, I think just leagues is, is obviously great and a ton of fun, but it's nothing compared to playing with like the five best players in your age group against a different camp or in this case against the kids a year older. Right. And I thought, at least for me, the dynamic of having like, obviously the whole camp wasn't like the Baker pride aspect of it. It wasn't on full display yeah. the same amount, but in a way, like the bunk pride you guys had of all being together and everyone, for those of you that can't really picture it, like the whole, your whole K house was behind you on the bench. Yeah. And like cheering with every bucket, and there's kind of like a bunk element to it that I had never really experienced. That was kind of a different thing than you usually see. I mean, we see that in like with counselors, but in terms of campers, like that's an experience that isn't necessarily replicated often. I thought that was kind of a unique thing that was really cool. Like the whole bunk kind of rallying around it. I thought that was cool too. Yeah, it definitely was very cool to, you know, go back to the bench, see all, everyone, every single person in the Cowser house and our whole age group and our friends in bunk. And it was just a great experience to be a part of. And every, you, you every, like at half to, at like halftime or like timeouts, like you go back to the bench and like all your boys are giving you high fives and like hyping you up. Also, some of our counselors on the sidelines, so like it, you had like twenty something kids and your counselors all just there and right behind you. It, it's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. So, anything else you guys have for us before we're going to wrap it up? Uh, not much, no. All right, well, thank you guys very much. It was a great day yesterday, and you guys come away with a 24-point victory, which I got to say, like, maybe I thought you guys would win a close game, but I don't. I do not think anyone was expecting a 24-point chaos victory. Maybe later in the summer or next year, those guys will have to try to defend themselves. But that was a pretty... And that was just a huge win for you guys. And it was pretty clear. You guys just ran them off the floor. It was really cool to see. So thank you guys, Jake, Tyler, Noodle, all of you guys. Thank you thank so you. much. You guys played great yesterday. And thank you guys for a great podcast appearance tonight. Thank, thank you, Maddie. All right. Thank, thank you for listening to this episode live from Lake Balfour Podcast. We will be back soon. For now, though, I'm Maddie Wasserman signing off. And we will see you next time on the Live from Lake Balfour Podcast.